Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, I'll talk with the head of OhioLegalHelp.org about a new tool that can help victims of domestic violence. The Home Energy Assistance Program, or HEAP, is available to help lower-income Ohioans with their heating bills, which are expected to be significantly higher this winter. I'll talk with someone from the State Department of Development about that in about 20 minutes. Then, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS10TV, Tracy Townsend covers a number of topics, including gerrymandering, efforts to end discrimination against the LGBTQ community, and more. This week, President Biden signed the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. Ohio Republican Senator Rob Portman played a role in negotiating that bill. We'll have comments from him as well as from Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown. And in about 50 minutes, we'll talk with the head of the Children's Hunger Alliance here in Columbus about a fundraiser that's going on with them. First up on Columbus Perspective, on the phone with me, Susan Che, who is the executive director of Ohio Legal Help. How are you? Good. Thanks for talking to us. We've talked to you a couple of times before, and uh, right off the bat, let's just talk about Ohio Legal Help. What is it? Sure. So Ohio Legal Help is a statewide legal help website, and we are designed to help folks who are, um, we call them engaging in self-help. So in other words, um, they may not be able to afford an attorney. Um, Maybe they want to research a little bit more, but folks who are going to try to um, navigate the legal process themselves, we provide really great, um, you know, state-of-the-art tools and then legal information on core legal topics like divorce, landlord-tenant, and now our new domestic violence module tool. And this is at OhioLegalHelp.org, and it's also uh, localized for all areas of the state. Yeah, I mean, Ohio is very much about, you know, I've grown up in, I've grown up in Ohio, um, and we're very much a home rule state. And so we made a really concerted effort to make everything localized. So it's not only just localized for the 88 Ohio counties, but um, down to um, um, the city that you live in. And you mentioned the domestic violence. You have uh, put some new information and a lot of help on there for victims of domestic violence. Yeah, so about a year ago, um, the Advisory Committee on Domestic Violence, which sits with the Supreme Court of Ohio, approached us because, you know, um, you know it's, it's domestic violence is unfortunately always an issue, but with the isolation brought on by the pandemic, you know, hotlines throughout the state were seeing increased calls. Um, but at the same time, filings were going down, and so we were trying to think through how technology may be able to bridge that gap to give, you know, victims and survivors a tool and a tool that they can access 24-7 when it's safe for them to do so. And actually, without a computer, we built these tools so that you can access everything on your mobile phone. That's great. Some of this stuff are th- issues that we've heard a lot about. There's been a, uh, even legislation dealing with civil protection orders and, and the difficulty in filing them or getting them to take effect. And uh, maybe this, in some cases, will help streamline that process for folks that are trying to file this stuff. Yeah, so we, we, we provide, so like, you know, maybe a victim has just 30 minutes, they're, you know, time when they're safe. They, you know, they have a phone or a safe computer. Um, they can find their information. They can read about basically all the steps of how to get a civil protective order. But then in addition to that, we have, and it's built for your phone again, we have a 
it's called a, like a TurboTax-like tool where we guide you step-by-step. And, you know, like, like TurboTax, you fill in information, and, and at the end, after you hit submit, you'll have all the documents you need to then file um, your civil order of protection request. Now, in addition to that, we, we help find your local court and connect you with your local court so that you can find out, you know, because courts sometimes have domestic violence coordinators that can help, you know, put together a safety plan. Um, there are advocates in the area. So we want to make sure that not only was it the form, but that we provided the very local resources to help that victim, um, not only to help file those forms, but also maybe the victim needs to go to shelter, maybe the person needs to escape. And we want to make sure that not only was it the legal process, but they had access to the good domestic violence resources in the state. And I like that when you go uh, onto the website, ohiolegalhelp.org, to do this, to fill out a, a civil protection order, there's a lot of reminders and advice and, uh, you know, just reminding folks you're dealing with a dangerous situation that can escalate it, and you need to, you know, be careful with your decision-making, and then if you have kids or if you're an immigrant, other things to keep in mind as well. Yeah, one of the things that was really important to the Supreme Court and to the advisory committee was that, you know, in our, in our guidance, you know, it's called a guided interview, um, that we really help folks understand, you know, basically in some situations the order of protection may not be the best choice for you. Um, and so we worked with experts in the state from the Ohio Domestic Violence Network and the Legal Aid Society of Cleveland to put together basically a Q&A, really simple, Again, you can do it on your phone. Um, just so that if, you know, maybe you're an immigrant, there there could be really different things, and, and you should speak with an attorney. And there are attorneys that can potentially assist you, so we want to connect those folks right away. If you have children, um, it's always complicated, um, whether you're facing a civil protection order or other family law issue. And, and sometimes it's so complicated, you need to speak with an attorney. And so what we did working with the advisory committee and the experts was put together a simple question and answer that then provides further guidance. And we wanted to make sure that victims had the best information to make those decisions. Well, the timing on all this seems good because, you know, the Ohio Domestic Violence Network has said that new reporting is, is indicating that domestic violence is up. The lockdown and the pandemic, probably a contributor to that. And households maybe are loosening up a little bit more, but you still may have victims who spend time at home instead of in an office all the time where maybe they've got time to pursue legal help in some way. And so this comes along at a good time, it seems like. Yeah, we, we think that the timing with um, some of the pandemic restrictions, um, and as folks, as we're, I guess, you know, we're going on to the next phase, um, that we hope that um, victims will utilize the tool, again, Dave, like you said, at ohiolegalhelp.org. And if they click on the family law where um, we basically ask them just a couple questions and get them to the right information, whether, again, if you're seeking a CPO, it will take you there. If you're seeking, you know, other family law issues, whether like custody or something, it will take you there as well. But, again, we think that timing for victims right now works really well. Um, the courts are open to so accepting filings. Um, so, 
you know, again, encouraging folks to take action safely. And then also, unfortunately, we know that the holidays sometimes bring additional stressors, and it is, a, unfortunately, a time when um, domestic violence occurs sometimes at higher rates. And so as we go into this you know, season, um, we want to make sure that folks are aware of this tool. Um, and it, even if it's not you in this situation, like if you're you know, part of a church, we again, we want folks to understand that this information is out there. And so if folks can share with their networks as well. You mentioned that the Ohio Supreme Court uh, was instrumental in helping this along. And actually, from what I recall, Ohio Legal Help itself, your roots kind of go back to the Ohio Supreme Court. It does. Good memory, yeah. I mean, we um, we were a recommendation that a site like ours be built, and it was um, um, Chief Justice O'Connor um, put together an Access to Justice Task Force, and we are recommendation six of that task force. And then um, a really diverse group of stakeholders, including public libraries, um, came together to say, let's make this happen. And so we are the um, fruition of that first that task force recommendation, and then a group of really committed stakeholders throughout the state um, coming together to say, let's make this thing, let's make it happen, let's launch it, and then, um, and then the tool, let's make sure that everybody knows about it. Talking with Susan Che, Executive Director of Ohio Legal Help, how much uh, is the website being utilized these days, and, and what are some of the big topics that people are looking up? Generally, on any given month, we have about 55,000 um, unique users. In other words, that means that they, they're new to the website sometimes. So, but on average, we have about 55,000 folks on the website seeking information. Um, right now, we're seeing a lot of trending. I think it reflects the economy. Um, we're seeing, at least in the last week, there's trending in terms of folks seeking information on COVID stimulus checks. I think there's been a lot infrastructure, things like that, that folks are thinking about that. And so we've seen that trending. But in general, the trending right now is that um, we are seeing, and, and I, to be fair, this was expected, we're seeing now um, folks coming to our website um, seeking bread and butter issues again, like family law, custody, child support, um, divorce. Um, sometimes what happens when the economy improves is that households that literally could not afford to separate before can, and so now we're seeing um, those resources um, being utilized um, in higher numbers than certainly during the pandemic. Um, and then we've seen a shift in terms of the um, landlord-tenant. So be- during the pandemic, obviously there was a moratorium, and so we assisted over 20,000 folks fill out the um, CDC eviction moratorium form. Um, that has ended, um, as have the moratoria. And so what we're seeing now, actually, is a rise in folks um, seeking information about the eviction timeline. How much time do I have? What is the process? So it, it is reflective of, of what folks are thinking, but those are the current trends that we're seeing now. And then uh, we've helped over a million folks since we launched in, I can't believe it, in 2019. That's how new we are. But we've assisted over a million folks. We'll probably assist just in this um, year alone about three quarters of a million folks. Wow. 
So if somebody is uh, considering a divorce or let's say somebody has found out that their spouse is planning to divorce them and maybe they don't want it to happen, either side of that issue, can you find resources on OhioLegalHelp.org? divorce complaint and one is the divorce answer, right? And so um, if, let's say, um, and I'll talk about kind of different possibilities here. So if you are seeking a divorce and let's say you you don't have kids, um, and what we're seeing now is interesting, you're seeing um, couples divorcing later when they don't have children, Um, but we're also seeing obviously um, divorce across the board. But in Ohio in the last 10 years, the number one filing has been divorce without kids. And so I'll talk about that. So let's say that's where you are. You can come to our website. We have information about the entire process. Um, And then we have a similar TurboTax-like form that leads everyone through. At the end, it's about 30 or 40 pages, um, but it's a completely filled out divorce complaint with the appropriate request. Hmm. Now, if you are on the opposite side of that, let's say, and you've been served with a divorce complaint, we have something called a divorce answer, um, which is a downloadable form. It's relatively straightforward. And an answer is what it, exactly what it sounds like. It's basically you read through the divorce complaint and you answer whether or not you agree or disagree with maybe, for instance, the grounds for divorce. Usually incompatibility is the number one grounds for divorce in Ohio. So maybe you don't agree that you're incompatible and you want them to prove it, um, you can actually deny that. And that is one way to, I guess, contest, if you will, the divorce. Um, And we also have a counterclaim. So for instance, if you want to say, well, in addition to incompatibility, I actually think this is another reason why we should get divorced. Sometimes folks do that, but these are the uniform domestic relations forms provided um, through a committee of the Supreme Court. And so those are the forms you will find on Ohio Legal Help. Now, if the couple can agree on everything, and when I say everything, I mean everything, um, you can also find the dissolution forms on our site as well. There's the uniform dissolution forms. And so those are the generally three most utilized um, family law forms on our site. But we also have information on if you need to change child support or custody as well. I'm assuming that because it is a legal site where you can access uh, lawyers or, or find out how to get a hold of them. Even if you've got like a, a dispute with your neighbor about your fence or something, you can find information about that, right? Well, we also have Find a Lawyer, which is very popular, right? It's, it's, um, um, it's a really popular tool that folks use. And it's essentially what that does, and for like, a, a, like let's say, a fence dispute or um, a, you know, a common law school hypothetical is, you know, part of a branch falls in your yard, that kind of a thing. Right. Um, you can find a lawyer through our website. It's, it's at the top of all our navigation. Click on find a lawyer. And if you give us some geographic information, we're going to connect you to the local bar association lawyer referral service, and they can help connect you to the right lawyer. So, for instance, a fence dispute, a property dispute, a tree falling in your yard, that kind of dispute, um, um, there, you know, there are great local attorneys that can help and really, folks need to think about this. Lawyers, I think, get a bad rap for being unaffordable, but for simple things, sometimes um, it is well worth your dollars to do and get yourself uh, a good local lawyer to help you just even think through that issue. Um, and so we can guide you there. Now, if you are low income and let's say 
a victim of domestic violence needs to find an attorney, um, we have a built-in tool that's actually portable, but also available um, depending on where you are on the site. Um, but legal aid, we have a finder legal aid tool as well. I mean, for folks who are low income who can't otherwise afford an attorney, and for really core critical issues, legal aid can assist, for instance, evictions right now. Um, and so we have a great tool to help folks find their local legal aid as well. It's great to make all this stuff more accessible. I remember, you know, however long ago it was, 30 years ago or whenever the People's Court started, the TV show, and Judge, Judge Judy and all that, there were stories that came out that said people felt more familiar with small claims court after that and became more active at, at defending their rights, which is a good thing. Yeah, I think any time that you can kind of demystify, right, um, and show that this is this is something that, you can do, right, um, I think that helps folks think through and, and have more confidence in maybe doing this themselves. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what we like to say is we provide the full continuum of services. So, for instance, if you if it's somebody that says, you know what, there's something I want to do it myself, maybe I'm private, there's something I want to do, we provide the tools so that someone can do that. Now, if, but we also have guidance on the site that says, you know, this is a really complicated issue think about getting an attorney. Um, and then if that's where they are, they can click immediately and find, you know, a local bar association lawyer referral service. You know, maybe they're facing eviction and they're low income um, and they want the help of legal aid. Again, right on the website, on that page, we believe in an interactive integrated experience. They click find your legal aid and, and they can literally dial from their phone. And so, you know, again, this is about trying to remove barriers. It's about trying to make that civil justice system as accessible for folks as possible. And that's also the reason why our website is actually built for your phone. So we're considered mobile first. And so everything that we do is with that mobile user in mind, uh, which is kind of where the web is going. I mean, I'm sure during the pandemic, we were all on our phones more than we thought. Um, And right now, about 70% of our users are accessing our site via their smartphone, and during the weekend it goes up to 80%. Hmm. Wow. Talking with Susan Che, she's the Executive Director of Ohio Legal Help. Just a moment or so to go here. Anything else you'd like to add? Now, other than, again, whether you're, you have just a question about general legal issues, facing eviction, or you know, maybe you're in an abusive situation, We have information that can help you at ohiolegalhelp.org. Outstanding. Susan, thanks so much for your time today. Dave, thanks so much for having us on and getting the word out on Ohio Legal Help. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High School Sports, it's so much more than a game. 
This message presented by the Ohio High School Athletic Association and the Ohio Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and joining me on the phone is Penny Martin, who is a spokesperson for the Ohio Department of Development. How are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Good. Thanks for talking to us. We're going to talk about the Home Energy Assistance Program, or HEAP program, which helps folks with utility bills. Yeah, HEAP is a program that we um, administer here at Development, along with partners um, across the state, our local um, energy assistance partners and community action agencies to help Ohioans who are uh, having trouble paying their energy bills. And this is kind of a, from what I understand, sort of a federal-state hybrid of some sort? Yes. The Department of Development receives um, funding from... um, the federal government to administer the program and then we work as i said with local community action agencies across the state um, to provide the benefits to ohioans that need them i have a feeling this is going to be a really big deal this year because we're hearing stories that natural gas prices could be 30 percent higher and propane perhaps even higher than that the use of the program changes um, based on how, as you said, utility prices and also how cold it is um, during the winter season. But here at Development, we are ready to help Ohioans that need it. The program began on November 1st, but it is for dealing with utility bills, uh, heating bills after the first of the year. Is that right? The program did open November 1st. And so Ohioans can go on our website, which is Energy Help. Ohio.gov and complete their application, and then the um, benefit that they receive will be applied to their utility bill in that January, um, February timeframe because that's usually when the heating bills really hit and can be higher. So, folks who are income eligible that are going to have difficulty paying their bills over the winter time are the ones who are applying now. Ohioans who are eligible can apply now or throughout the coming months Um, and then the benefit is applied starting when those first cold weather bills come due in in january okay and is this like a one-time help with a credit on your bill or how does it work so once you complete the on, you can complete the application online as i said and once that's completed um you provide a copy of your utility bill, and the benefit is applied directly to your utility bill. Okay, so the customer doesn't even have to deal with any of that at all then? Nope. It's a great process because, again, as I said, it is all on. You can um, complete the application online at energyhelp.ohio.gov. Okay, and it's for folks at or below 175% of the federal poverty guidelines. And can you give us an idea of what kind of income we're talking about? That equates to about $46,000 a year in an annual income for a family of four. Now, what I will say is that if um, individuals are having trouble paying their utility bills, if you go to energyhelp.ohio.gov, you can 
see if you um, are eligible for any one of our programs here at development. Or the other thing, um, if you reach out to your local community action agency, and there's a list, that list is on energyhelp.ohio.gov, they can also help um, families who may not qualify for this program find additional assistance. Talking with Penny Martin, she is a spokesperson for the Department of Development. Do you have any idea how many Ohioans or uh, in, a, in a given area are using this program? Uh, statewide, um, last year it was a little over 200,000 um, households participated in the Home Energy Assistance Program. Um, and then we also have a couple other programs um, to help Ohioans with their utility bills and that is in that same in that same range about 200,000 Ohioans last year as well. Okay, and how much help are they getting? So for the heat program, it is the size of your household, but another component of heat is the winter crisis program, and that's for folks that are facing disconnection, and that benefit determined by the type of utility that you have your heating source so if you are part if you have a regulated utility you can receive up to 175 dollars in a benefit um, but if you have propane or um, a, what we call a bulk fuel we still have folks who use fuel oil or kerosene or coal or wood that assistance amount is up to $500 for coal or wood and up to $900 for kerosene, fuel oil, propane. Um, And then for those that are part of an unregulated utility, you can receive up to $175, up to $750 if you're part of an unregulated utility. So again, if for the winter crisis program, if there is an Ohio household that have 25% or less of their bulk fuel supply remaining, they can apply for assistance and they fit the income guidelines. They can receive assistance through the winter crisis program, which also started um, November 1st. That's great. And I saw in the news release here that 5,600 families in Franklin County uh, took advantage of the home energy assistance program last winter. So this is a really significant program that helps a lot of people. Yeah, we here at Development, um, we do our best to um, get the word out about this program and to make sure that Ohioans who may need assistance paying their utility bills this winter know that the program is available. Again, go to energyhelp.ohio.gov to learn more about the program and to find out if you're eligible. That site also not only does it have the online application, but it'll also explain what documentation you will need um, to apply. And I also want to remind Ohioans that if you have your utilities through a regulated utility, they also have programs that can help this winter and to help you pay those utility bills. If one of our programs don't work, there are a variety of programs out out there for Ohioans, and and we're here to help with development, so they can just reach out at energyhelp.ohio.gov. Great. Again, Penny Martin, she's a spokesperson for the Ohio Department of Development. Very interesting and timely information. Thanks so much for it today. Happy to help. Again, if Ohioans need assistance, please feel free to reach out to us or visit energyhelp.ohio.gov. Science is not an opinion. People come before pipelines. 
it's not too late to act on climate. No one is above the law. At Earth Justice, we hold these beliefs to be self-evident. As a national legal nonprofit fighting for your right to a healthy environment, we are 150-plus lawyers representing clients free of charge because now, more than ever, the Earth needs a good lawyer. No one fights more cases on the environment than Earth Justice. And we win because these are fights we cannot lose. We win for scientists so they can serve at the EPA. We win at the Supreme Court because clean water is for everyone. We win against fossil fuel plants so communities can breathe freely. If you believe what we believe, then help us fight the good fight and help us keep winning by going to earthjustice.org today. That's earthjustice.org. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. The battle and confusion over congressional lines in Ohio. Look at the state map and you want to laugh. It looks like a kindergartner drew it. Oh, a look at what's behind the, quote, extreme partisan gerrymandering. Ohio is putting mental health in the spotlight through a new public service campaign. How state leaders hope to reduce stigma and get more people the help they need. And fighting to change the way the LGBTQ plus community is treated. Hear what Congresswoman Joyce Beatty has in mind. And we start by saying thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday for Face the State. I'm Tracy Townsend. In less than one year, voters go to the polls for the crucial midterm elections. But the two parties are already in a fight that could tilt the scales before the first vote is cast. I'm talking about gerrymandering. The term dates back to 1812 when Massachusetts Governor Elbridge Gerry drew a district around Boston that looked like a salamander. The name stuck. Well, now, despite reforms to end the practice, Ed O'Keefe shows us how both parties are trying to gain the upper hand in two different states, one of them ours. This fall in Ohio State's sea of red, there's also a red-blue divide that's harder to see. The university, home to more than 60,000 students, is sliced up into three different congressional districts, one so large it links part of Ohio State's Columbus campus with Ohio University an hour and a half away in Appalachia. You look at the state map and you want to laugh. It looks like a kindergartner drew it. Heather Pearson lives in this little part of Columbus that sticks out on the congressional map like a sore thumb. Basically, we feel like we're being ignored. It's done so our votes don't count. Right here, this side is one congressional district. Jen Miller, who leads Ohio's nonpartisan League of Women Voters, came with us to walk the line. Do they look house by house at how people are registered? They do. In fact, there are literally situations in Ohio where one house can be surrounded on three sides by another congressional district. Literally, it is map makers and politicians picking their voters rather than the other way around. Overall, Ohio voters pick Republicans just slightly more than Democrats in recent congressional elections. But 12 of the state's 16 House seats are Republican-controlled, in part because the GOP controls state government 
and drew the lines. And they're doing this why? Simply to secure a partisan advantage. Miller's group is suing the Ohio Redistricting Commission, also controlled by Republicans, alleging extreme partisan gerrymandering. We asked to talk to those Republicans, but they all declined an interview. So we turned to longtime Ohio GOP strategist, Terry Casey. To those that say Republicans are drawing these lines the way they want in order to hold on to power, you would say? Welcome to America and politics be in politics. That's just the way the game is played. Until the Supreme Court or somebody else figures out a better way. A better way is also what New Yorkers asked for, backing a bipartisan commission. But in the Empire State, Democrats could use their total control in the state legislature to reject the commission's map and draw their own. One proposal could cost Republicans up to five seats in Congress. It's just not something that captures the public's attention. We joined Democratic State Senator Michael Giannaris, who could get to draw those lines, on a walk through a part of Queens, represented by Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that could get drawn out of her district. For you guys, you'd have to memorize a whole new map every 10 years, potentially. And we do. I, across the street from my home is somebody else's state Senate district. <laughs> so I have neighbors of mine that to this day are confused that they don't get to vote for me. And confused to find his name still on the side of his former office here. His former office because Republicans drew it out of his district a decade ago. It was a form of political punishment. Now, Giannaris says New York needs a better way, even if it costs his party some power. The goal is to set up a commission that's really independent and is not colored by the politics. Who would be qualified to serve on an independent commission? It's difficult, obviously. You call it priests yeah. and surgeons? <laughs> I mean, And then who gets to choose those people? Right. Back in Ohio, Jen Miller agrees. It's absolute human instinct, if your party's in power, to use that to rig a political advantage for the next decade. And so I think the only option is to take political parties and candidates out of the process because they're always going to want to rig them. In all, 44 states are in the midst of redrawing their lines. 11 are done, 33 still to go. And as we said, some of these may end up in contentious court fights. Notably, last week, New York voters rejected one proposal that might have made their redistricting a little more independent. But unless someone comes up with a better plan or the courts force the states to do so, these political games are likely to continue. Ed O'Keefe, CBS News, Capitol Hill. U.S. Congresswoman Joyce Beatty is pushing to remove barriers for LGBTQ plus individuals in Ohio and throughout the country. She held a meeting called There's No Pride in Prejudice, where she stressed the importance of bringing change, while activists pointed out the areas where change is needed. In 27 states, there are no explicit statewide laws protecting people from discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity in employment, housing, and public accommodations. At the federal level, there are no fair housing or credit protections based on expressly sexual orientation or gender identity. This puts many LGBTQ plus individuals at risk, youth at risk, or at experiencing chronic homelessness, unemployment, or being unbanked. We are a nation of many colors, a rainbow, if you will. Students who are or who are assumed to be LGBTQ plus lack the protections afforded to their peers and the challenges they face in schools make it difficult for them to be happy, healthy, and successful later in life. My doctoral dissertation, titled By Any Means Necessary, Supporting the Learning and Development of Black LGBTQ plus SGO public school students in the U.S., calls for increased investments 
in school and community-based supports for LGBTQ plus youth and national interoperable data sets that acknowledge many of us have intersectional identities that shape how we experience public institutions like schools in powerful ways. Uh, and when I think about this, I often think about Hope, an Afro-Latinx trans student who describes her middle and high school years as, quote, treacherous. When Hope was beaten in a school hallway by three male-identified classmates surrounded by peers who laughed at the sight of blood painting her face and the floor, she was suspended until she could prevent the abuse by changing her identity. As a former classroom teacher, I know that students cannot demonstrate what they know or have learned if they do not feel safe. And we know based on data collected with our colleagues at GLSEN that Black LGBTQ plus students find schools to be hostile and in welcoming spaces, which often results in them failing to develop the skills, experiences, and relationships needed to be successful later in life. Second, as you know, what happens to students in schools has a profound impact upon life opportunities and outcomes, especially Black LGBTQIA plus and same gender loving youth who are often forced to begin their journey into adulthood early. As a result of familial and social rejection, LGBTQ plus young people are overrepresented amongst homeless and foster youth, and Black LGBTQ plus youth are significantly overrepresented in both of these spaces. Young people experiencing housing instability are less likely to complete school, making it difficult to find success as an entrepreneur or to obtain a good job. We need cultural sensitivity training for all staff and folks doing business uh, you know, with shelters. We need... Um, we need supportive housing, uh, you know, fully staffed supportive housing with uh, social workers, mental health professional and medical care on staff. Uh, we also need uh, transitional and permanent housing to help address, you know, the needs of our community. Uh, so we need like wraparound services, I would say. One of the bills the committee is working to propose would expand the role of the Office of Minority and Women Inclusion to also support people who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer, LGBTQ. Another would require federal financial regulators to issue guidance on steps that companies can take to be inclusive of customers. There's a new push to educate and challenge what Ohioans know about addiction and mental illness. It's a major collaboration involving the governor's office, business and community organizations. Later this month, you'll see a new ad, and it's aimed at starting a conversation about beating the stigma. Take a listen. Research shows that this is responsible for 50% of your risk for alcohol addiction. Hanging out with the wrong people, Jeff. We're going to end it there. You did not beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about addiction. This $20 million initiative is the next phase in helping people and families struggling to wrap their arms around substance misuse and disorder and mental illness. The end game for Beat the Stigma, challenging how we all think about addiction, knowing the risks, including family history and taking care of mental health. Chad Jester, who's president of Nationwide Foundation, doesn't pull any punches when talking about the fallout. We call on all of you as you go back to your families and into your communities to begin thinking and talking about addiction and mental illness differently. That is truly the best way we can aid and support the recovery for those who are living in hell each and every day. And one Westerville mother who lost her son four years ago to addiction says there needs to be more empathy and understanding. 10TV's Brian Somerville talked with Christy Whaley about her loss and how this new statewide initiative can help break that stigma. Pictures 
A timeless window that perfectly preserves a specific moment and moments and memories, all she has now. It just showed his personality, his blue eyes. Pictures surround Christy Whaley in her Westerville dining room. Reminders of what was, of what could have been. But I think it's important to put a face to it. Her son Kyle graduated high school with honors. A student at OSU, he had a 3.4 GPA. It changes them into someone that you can't imagine. In 2014, the partying, Whaley says, led Kyle to a heroin addiction, spending $150 a day to support his habit. Your brain is an organ, and it can be diseased, just like your heart, your lungs, your pancreas, any other organ in your body, it can be diseased. What followed, she says, countless arrests, jail time, and rehab. And he looked at me with what I think was such fear in his eyes, and he said, are you ashamed of me? I mean, no. How could you possibly be ashamed of someone who has something that is just, they truly can't control? In September of 2017, an overdose claimed the life of Whaley's 25-year-old son. Today, she sits in her dining room her blue-eyed baby boy's picture behind her. And just next to it, his ashes. She finds peace now in meaning. Every year for his birthday, I go to a bakery and I anonymously pay for someone's birthday cake. And I include a card telling them about him and why I'm doing it. Whaley says she struggled with clinical depression when she was younger. Kyle, she says, started showing signs of depression and anxiety in middle school. A new statewide initiative to help beat the stigma of mental health and addiction she's appreciative for. I just think it's important for people to realize what they're going to go through if it does happen to them and that it's a very real thing. Without these efforts, she knows moments, memories will forever live in frames instead of in person. Brian Somerville, 10 TV News. Thank you all so much for joining us here today. Remember, if it affects you, your family, and Ohio, we're here to make sure those accountable face the state. That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their request to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com and Thanks for listening. Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. Unused prescription opioid pain medicines can spell trouble. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is Columbus Perspective on the fan. This week, President Biden signed the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. U.S. Senator Rob Portman, an Ohio Republican, played a role in negotiating that, and he spoke at the White House during the signing ceremony. Here's about three and a half minutes of Senator Portman. 
Our work was guided by a few simple principles, core infrastructure only, no tax increases, and no linkage to the broader partisan reconciliation process. Instead, we agreed this would be a truly bipartisan process, working from the middle out, not the top down. There were plenty of bumps along the way, but we got there because we were all committed to ultimately delivering a result for the constituents we represent. We also got there because of a lot of smart, hardworking staff, as usual. Every president and every Congress in modern times has proposed major infrastructure improvements. They all have. By making infrastructure a real priority in his administration, President Trump furthered the discussion and helped Republicans like me think differently about the positive impact of investment in core infrastructure. And core infrastructure is what this law is all about. It's about roads and bridges and rail and transit and ports and airports and water systems, the electric grid, broadband, and more. We've got a major bridge in my hometown, and it's also a major bottleneck, desperately in need of replacing. We've been trying to do it for 25 years, but we haven't been able to pull together the funding and figure out how to do it. This new law finally gives us the tools we need to fix the Brent Spence Bridge, and the same is true for major projects all around the country. That's why you see so many of my colleagues here from every region of the country, because they know this is going to help to create more economic efficiency, more productivity, and maybe lessen that commute for their constituents. This long-term investment in our nation's capital assets will grow the economy because of that efficiency and that productivity. It'll create hundreds of thousands of new jobs. It'll make us more competitive against countries like China, who are investing heavily in infrastructure, much more than we have been. Maybe most importantly, at a time of surging inflation, these long-term investments are actually going to help. Inflation, of course, is caused when demand outstrips supply. And in this case, we're not funding stimulus spending that adds to the demand side, but ports and freight rail and roads and bridges and other assets that will help on the supply side. That's why economists say this bill is counterinflationary, which is so important right now, as American families are facing higher prices on everything from gas to groceries. This bipartisan support for this bill comes because it makes sense for our constituents. But the approach from the center out should be the norm, not the exception. The increasing polarization of our country is keeping us from getting things done, and we have a responsibility to do better. The American people want us to see us coming together. They know that despite our differences, we should be able to figure it out and work together to solve big problems. We can start by recognizing that finding common ground to advance the interests of the American people should be rewarded, not attacked. This infrastructure investment shouldn't be a one-time bipartisan accomplishment. This should be the beginning of a renewed effort to work together on big issues facing our country. That's Ohio Republican Senator Rob Portman speaking at the White House this week, right before President Biden signed the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. A couple of days after that signing, I had a chance to talk with 
Ohio's Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown about it. The infrastructure bill, it's finally uh, reality. What does that mean for Ohio? Well, it, it provides, it's going to provide hundreds of thousands of jobs, millions of jobs nationally. Uh, it will, um, it's investment in bridges from the Brent Spence Bridge in Cincinnati to major projects in Toledo and Cleveland, but also small little culvert bridges all over the state bridges like when I grew up working our family farm, drove a, drove a hay wagon over those little bridges. Um, it will be a major investment in public transit, not just for big cities, mostly there, but also smaller community paratransit systems. Um, it will, um, and as we move forward on the next bill, it will bring down the cost of prescription drugs and continue the biggest tax cut for middle-class families and, and working-class families in my lifetime, the child tax credit. The Brent Spence Bridge, do you think that will get done, though? I think there's no question the Brent Spence Bridge, we finally move on it. President Trump promised it. President Obama promised it. It took this president with a new Senate. Uh, our Bridges Act will make a huge difference there. And uh, provisions that Senator Portman and I worked on, Buy America is the strongest Buy America language ever um, we've ever done in the Senate, will mean that no more bridges built by Chinese steel. If it's U.S. tax dollars, it should it should hire, it should be produced by U.S. workers. You know, this makes uh, that bridge even more iconic because so many presidents have stood in front of it saying, we're going to rebuild it. It's, uh, I mean, it's been a long project. And I, I mean, when I first came to the Senate a dozen years ago, I, I stood on that bridge and said, this is my long-term goal to fix this. Uh, we finally have a president who's living up to what he said he'd do. And uh, the it's 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 three percent. I mean, it's hard to believe this, but three percent of the world of the of the nation's GDP crosses that bridge every day. So um, there there is no I don't think there's an infrastructure project in the country that essential. It may be the most expensive one because it's going to be multi-billion dollar bridge. Um, but again, it's going to be made done by U.S. workers, many mostly union workers and done and done with U.S. made materials. Uh, Senator Brown, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Dave. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and joining me on the phone, Judy Mobley, who is the president and CEO of the Children's Hunger Alliance. How are you? Good morning, Dave. I'm great, thanks. Thanks for talking to us. Tell us what the Children's Hunger Alliance is. Well, Children's Hunger Alliance is a nonprofit organization that is a statewide organization uh, founded in 1970. And our mission, uh, simply put as I could make it, is just to provide meals for kids across the state who simply don't have enough uh, food to live a healthy life. This is uh, always a a complicated situation, and and it seems like it's always worse than what a lot of people think it is. You're you're absolutely right. And, of course, the the situation we find ourselves still in uh, from the COVID-19 pandemic uh, has exasperated the problem uh, to the point of we've actually increased in Ohio from about 500,000 kids that are food insecure to over 700,000, or one in four. Uh, so it is, a, it is a, a serious problem in our state and really across the country. And the pandemic certainly hasn't helped any. No, it has not. And again, as you find, you know, families uh, that really were not necessarily needing our help, but were borderline, we certainly saw them as there were issues with um, jobs being lost, their companies maybe shutting down for periods of time where we saw a lot of people that needed help that really never did before. So again, it just added to the problem. 
And the problem of hunger, too, goes deeper than just a, a money issue for the families. It has a lot to do with where they live and what sorts of food resources are available to them in their neighborhood. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's interesting. One of the things that we did during um, uh, COVID and we continue to do this past summer, uh, we started a mobile feeding uh, project, which allowed us to basically rent vans and take meals to kids in parks, uh, outside swimming pools, you know, outside schools, in parking lots of libraries that may be closed. Um, so you're absolutely right. It's very important for us to think about taking the meals where the kids can get to. Uh, this past summer, we were in a couple counties that, but for our mobile meals, um, there would not have been a site for kids to go to. So it's a really a big problem in rural Ohio. Talking with Judy Mobley, president and CEO of the Children's Hunger Alliance. Now, you are embarking on a campaign uh, along with help from the Central Ohio Toyota dealerships. It's the Lunch Money Challenge. What is that about? Uh, well, thank you. We are so excited that Central Ohio Toyota dealerships has uh, decided to work with Children's Hunger Alliance and take up this challenge. Uh, Lunch Money Challenge is really an opportunity for everyone to make a difference. So the premise behind it is um, give up your lunch money for a day and think about kids that are doing without every day and help us feed those kids. So we've got a little sticker that says, you know, I fed a child today. The average um, American spends $11.40 on uh, lunch every day. And if you think about, if all of your listeners, if everybody that comes into contact with Central Ohio Toyota dealership would even consider making that donation or something else, uh, no amount is too small, and we never turn down larger donations, all that really does is let us reach more kids. And uh, there's never enough. So we can have uh, the best year ever as far as fundraising, and we still didn't get to all the kids that need our help. So that's really what the Lunch Money Challenge is all about, Um, just really letting individuals reach down into their uh, own hearts and pocketbooks and make a donation to help us feed kids. When you provide meals for kids, what is the form of it? How do you go about doing that? Sure. Um, So we do it in a lot of different ways. I talked already briefly about summer feeding, which is a huge need um, in Ohio. But we also help daycare centers. Uh, daycare homes and after school programs um, to make sure that those kids are getting healthy meals. And then we also started again throughout the pandemic uh, a program to feed kids on the weekends and when their schools are out on break because so many kids rely on their schools uh, many times for their only food for their breakfast and their lunch. And then we try to step in in an after school program and make sure they have an evening meal. Well, then it's, you know, Thanksgiving or holiday break or spring break, and there's no federal nutrition program to help kids during those breaks. So we saw that as a gap that needed to be filled, and that's what we've been working to do. That structure where they get a meal every day at school or, as you mentioned, in after-school programs, and the pandemic when the lockdown was going on and then when schools were learning through distance learning, there was all kinds of problems with trying to make sure kids were getting fed. Yeah, and honestly, that was our first thought is now what? Um, I will say kudos to schools 
many, many, many schools did, uh, you know, just above and beyond to try to make sure that their kids had an opportunity to get food from them. Um, again, as we think about rural Ohio, that becomes more difficult. But I know, for example, we were able to help in Meigs County, a uh, very rural county, very high needs county, but they were able to provide kids meals um, once a week with a bag of ready-to-serve meals, and that was allowable because of some of the waivers that USDA allowed. But um, everybody was just looking for how are we going to do it, what, what fits best for the kids to be able to get the food and to keep them, um, keep them fed, because it was a huge problem when they weren't going to school every day. When the holidays arrive, you know, with Thanksgiving and Christmas, does that present uh, new challenges or different ways for you to do what you do? Well, it absolutely does. And again, that's one of the newer things that we've been doing. So um, if we are working with a school and they would like us to provide their kids with a box of meals for that Thanksgiving break, then we will surely do that. Um, excited that we're just getting ready to kick off something called Adopt-A-School. We had a local company step up and give us funding for the next two years, Champion Companies, and uh, we are going to do Adopt-A-School where they will give us the money to feed their kids at that one school for weekends and all school breaks. So um, that's just something that we're looking at, a new novel way to be able to fund this exact program we're talking about, weekend and school breaks. Talking with Judy Mobley, she's president and CEO of the Children's Hunger Alliance here in Columbus. And uh, again, we mentioned that uh, the Central Ohio Toyota dealers are hooking up with your agency to provide the uh, lunch money challenge. And uh, and there is a website for this as well. It's lunchmoneychallenge.org. And I guess folks can give through that. Yes, they can. Uh-huh. They can give there. Um, and again, that would be the best for this particular program so that we can, uh, you know, obviously track um, how much money we got through this Central Ohio uh, Toyota dealership challenge. Um, this is taking place when we're all thinking about Ohio State football and Michigan week, and there's lots of different challenges going on. Um, what better challenge to take than the lunch money challenge and help us all feed kids uh, right here in our state? It's excellent. That's lunchmoneychallenge.org. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? No, I I thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about our work. Um, Many times we all get wrapped up in our own lives, and uh, if we're fortunate enough that food has not been an issue for us or our families, you sometimes forget that there are kids that really go home and don't have anything in their cupboard or anything in their refrigerator, and it's a hard uh, fact face. Um, we have volunteer opportunities. People could go to our website at childrenshungerlines.org and look at those opportunities. Come help us pack meals. If you want to see firsthand the good that this money would do, uh, we'd love to have you uh, come to our warehouse and pack meals. We'd love to have you come to a site visit and see the work in action. Um, at Thanksgiving, we'll have volunteers come with us to pass out meals. When you see it firsthand, you know it matters. And I just uh, thank everybody for their willingness to consider being part of this Lunch Money Challenge and helping us feed more kids. 
That's tremendous. Uh, Judy Mobley, again, president and CEO of the Children's Hunger Alliance. Thanks so much for the information and good luck with the campaign. Thank you. Have a great day. This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan, heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM, that's 1460 ESPN Columbus, and Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM, Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.